Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is game week, East Carolina and NC State. We are approaching kickoff from Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Man, it feels good. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of Hoist the Colors, the publisher of hoistthecolors.net. I'm bringing back a big guest to signal, signal the start of game week. In fact, people have been asking, where is Sam Anderson? I myself have been asking, where is Sam Anderson? We've tried to hook up on like eight podcasts, I think, over the past several months. Hasn't worked out, but now he is back. He is on Zoom. He's on this podcast. Sam, former intern, now in the banking world. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you back, Sam. Thanks for having me, Stephen. This is uh, probably one of the most anticipated podcasts you've done, other than coaching hires and realignment stuff yeah people are they're they're wondering what is sam gonna do on game day where's he gonna be sitting where can i get his autograph uh they also we actually have some questions on twitter sam that uh that apparently people want to know if any pets are named after you and what your favorite east north carolina golf course is which we will we'll get to uh we've also got uh your excitement level for the stripe out so i do want to talk about it from a you know we'll get to those questions sam but i do want to talk about it from you know, I'll be covering the game clearly with, with Hoist the Colors. I'll be in the press box. You know, you've done that side before uh, when you work for us. Now you're you're on the fan side of things. You got season tickets. You'll be in the stands. I, I've got to ask, just your anticipation level. You know, you've covered games before as a professional, but when you when you put on your fan hat and you go in the stands and you look at a rivalry game like this, like, do you feel any emotions as a fan heading into a, such a, a pretty marquee matchup in terms of college football? Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, so the last time State came to Greenville, I was a freshman in college and was able to watch that game from the stands. Um, and that was very exciting as a you know student. I think that was the second game that year. Um, so I, it's probably going to be as hot as it was then. Um, I know there's people passing out in the boneyard and all that other stuff. Um, so I'm expecting 
to hear similar stories. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to it. It's um, I get pretty much um, people ask me at work. They've asked me in the last few weeks if I'm nervous, how the game's going to go. And um, I'm sure I'll get a lot more of that starting this week. I feel like it, it finally clicked in my head on, I think, Friday leading into Saturday. And then Saturday when we got to see like some full – live college football games like you know we've done this for so long previewed the season we do it every off season but until game week finally gets here like I'm kind of numb to it to a degree but the exci- mm-hmm. the excitement level for me I don't know about you Sam man it kicked in Friday leading into Saturday like I started to have I don't I want to say butterflies but you know you start to have some of those jitters and anticipation and uh, you know I'm just excited to cover a great football game and what should be probably the best environment since that 2016 NC State game. We've got a question about attendance, which we'll get to. I've talked to some people about that, so we'll have a few notes on that, Sam. But, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, you it's been a couple of years now since you quit working for us. Not that you quit, but, you know, you, you graduated from ECU. Um, what's it been like kind of seeing maybe the resurrection of this football program under Mike Houston? Because, you know, we covered the Scotty Montgomery years together, uh, you know, some early Mike Houston, but – What's it been like from from your perspective getting to go to these games, seeing the uh, the, the the program improve? It's it's been enjoyable to you know see it. I think um, I think the last game I covered, I think was that game that State at Blackwell. Yeah. Um, it could or it could have been Mike's first game. I can't I can't remember, um, but seeing the progression from the program at that point in time compared to now um, has been as a fan exciting to see now that I know that I, um, you know, you make donated pirate club, all that, you kind of see the, the, um, you know, the build of the program and kind of having that insider knowledge of how much goes into actually behind the scenes of a, of the football program just shows how much work they had to do and, are still doing, but hopefully with the bowl win, we're going to call it a bowl win from last year. Um, and then hopefully this year, you know, you, you want to take that next step, win more games, and then hopefully that will lead to a conference championship down the road. Mike Houston entering year four. It, it is fitting to a degree that year one started with a game against NC State that he quite frankly said it was embarrassing uh, you know at the time uh, looking back at it and I remember after that game sitting in the NC State uh, you know Carter Finley Stadium v- visiting press room he basically said that the team that we see when NC State and ECU meet again will not look anything like this team and I, I think it's fair to say that it won't now I think NC State has improved dramatically over that time as well, they went what three, eight, you know, three and nine, four and eight that season. So they were a bad football team too. Won that game thirty-four to six. But you know, and we'll, we'll maybe get get your prediction later, Sam. But before we answer these questions, just curious your, your overall take on this matchup uh, when you look at it on paper. I, I, I honestly think it's less about NC State bleep happening if NC State loses this game. I think it's more about how far ECU's program has come if the Pirates find a way to win. Although some some helpful giveaways and stupid plays by NC State would certainly help as well. Yeah, I think this will be a, I would say a good test to see kind of where the program is against one of the, I guess you can say one of the premier 
ACC teams this year going in. Obviously, there's Clemson, but State's kind of seen as that dark horse to make a to make a run to the ACC championship. And um, you know, they beat Clemson last year, so I'm sure they're going to be looking to do the same this year. But, but also at the same time, if ECU loses, it doesn't really set a tone for the rest of the year because I think maybe out of BYU and and maybe Houston State will probably be the one of the better teams they faced all year, um, just with the the talent and skill level. Um, but you could, and I hope they win. Hope, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game, um, but it will be a good sign to kind of see where um, both the programs are compared to the last time they played. We're visiting with Sam Anderson, former uh, contributor with Hoist the Colors, now in Wilmington. You can find him basically at any ECU sporting event. He's got season tickets, uh, and he's always interacting on Hoist the Colors as well. Still got that staff badge, Sam. Still uh, burning the midnight oil with some nuggets here and there. Hey, let's get into some of these questions, man. Um, Our old buddy, Ronnie Woodward formerly of the Daily Reflector, now with East Carolina on campus, doing some stuff with the College of Human Health and Performance in the library on campus. He's got a question, and it's a good one. He says, the staff had some fun and success with Tyler Sneed as a trick play passer with reverses, etc. Who could be that guy now? Um, and I'll let you weigh, on this, weigh in on this, Sam, as well. And, and I'll be honest, if I had seen stuff at practice, like last year I saw Sneed, throwing back to Ehlers before the Marshall game, and I didn't say anything because I honestly didn't think they would run that play. Um, but clearly I would not give that away in case NC State's listening. But I'll be honest, I have not seen any of that stuff this preseason. And so I don't really know who to go with. I would say Josiah Hatfield because he's a former high school quarterback, but he's actually going to be out the first two games due to suspension for academic reasons. Um, C.J. Johnson seems to have a good arm. I don't know if you want to try to – run a trick play with him. If Hatfield's in the game, I would say him. But other than that, nobody really pops to mind. We know Snead played baseball. He's got a strong arm. He showed that. But I honestly think somebody like Hatfield, who runs a lot of reverses and jet sweeps, would be a prime candidate not to catch it but to throw it. Uh, Sam, you got anybody in mind that kind of jumps off the page? Yeah, when I saw this, I started doing some digging because I knew there were some former quarterbacks that probably had switched positions. Um, first one came to mind was Hudson, who got moved from quarterback to wide receiver. Um, I could see them using him because he, he has a pretty electric arm from when yeah. he was a quarterback in high school. And then I want to say, I believe, I'm not sure how much playing time he'll get, but um, Ty Moss, safety out of Whiteville, I think he played quarterback in high school. Um, yeah, he did. So those are two options that maybe, you know, you don't have tons of film on if you're NC State that – or for me, that NC State hasn't really seen either one of them throw a football since high school. Um, so that could throw in a little wrinkle. Um, you kind of saw that last night when Carolina was playing FAMU and they never seen that FAMU quarterback throw before and they were – he was picking apart, picking apart the UNC secondary – so I could see a trick play coming in from somebody who probably doesn't have a ton of um, film out there that uh, Houston could roll out there and surprise Dave Dorn and, and staff. I almost feel like it has to be 
maybe a guy who who wasn't a high school quarterback if you really want to surprise people although Taji yeah. makes a lot of sense but you know Snead I don't think he played high school quarterback but man he had a freaking cannon and if somebody, if somebody like CJ or Jalen Johnson has a cannon NC State probably doesn't know about it maybe Isaiah Winstead's got a good arm who knows um, maybe Ryan Jones does so it's just one of those cases that you know we'll have to wait and see but yeah uh, Ronnie also made the mention that Tyler Sneed would take off his gloves on plays where he was going to throw the ball. And it was funny because Ronnie could see it coming before the defense did because it seemed to work despite Tyler Sneed having a big tail there. But, um, yeah, it's just funny looking back on that. Tyler now with the, the Steelers, hopefully he finds a way to make the, the practice squad or the team out of training mm-hmm. camp. Um all right, Matt Wright's got a couple of questions. Sam, he says, in our opinion, do you believe this offensive line can finally give Holton Ehlers comfortable time in the pocket to make his reads, be able to move opposing defensive lines off the ball, and finally be the O-line we won't need? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I I think it's the best offensive line of the Mike Houston there and the, and the, and the best offensive line he's had in years on paper. A, can they stay healthy? That's the most important thing. Every offensive line has to stay healthy to have a shot to be their best. B, you know, I think it's going to be the best, but how good is it going to be relative to the best teams in the American Athletic Conference? I don't know. You know, most of those great offensive lines have multiple pros on them. I see the potential for multiple pros, but I have to see it actually play out in game time. I also don't want people overreacting if NC State, which is one of the best defensive fronts EC will face, gets penetration throughout the game because I don't think ECU will face that defense, but maybe two or three times all year. Clearly, you want them to be able to handle it. But, you know, time will tell, Matt. I do think this is the deepest and most potential I've seen in a group in some time, but I just don't want to make that statement yet until we see them actually play games. Just your thoughts, Sam, from reading the the reports this offseason on the O-line. Yeah, I mean, you know, you always – you know, all the coaches, I mean, I was at the kickoff luncheon this past Monday and uh, someone, you know, I did ask the similar question about the offensive line and, you know, Coach Houston was very, you know, spoke very highly of it and said that this is probably one of the best lines that he's, you know, he's had here, which obviously on having all these returning starters and experience definitely helps and actually having the depth behind that um, certainly will help play a role. Um, but like you said, I wouldn't be shocked if State got a lot of pressure to Holton just because of the um, their D line's really good. Um, now, will that be a tr- if it's the trend going, you know, against Old Dominion, against Campbell, against Navy? Then that's a concern. But I don't. I think they will help. I think this O line will be probably one of the better O lines in the AAC, uh, which definitely will help Holton be able to pick his spots, read the defense. And um, it will be also interesting to see which receiver takes over the Sneed role, just kind of moving around if things kind of fall, fall apart and getting open and helping Holton out a little bit if he is getting pressured. Yeah, who's going to be that safety valve this year? We don't know. And that's something we will find out on September 3rd, hopefully. Uh, Matt also asked a question about the defense. He says, also, do you think this defensive unit can be dominant in the AAC this year? I guess it depends, Sam, on your definition of dominant. Um, I think they can be really good. Like, to me, dominant is just suffocating 
pressure, sacks, interceptions. Like, I don't, you know, I see them being disruptive and I see them being chaotic. And with that, I think they'll give up some plays, kind of like the last few years. I think they'll be more consistent from day one. They were really good the second half of last year. Dominant, I don't know. Is that a stretch to you? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I think this defense has the potential to be, you know, a top five defense in the the American. I don't think it will be the, you know, like a Cincinnati defense last year where it was just suffocating, you know, all their opponents. Um, but I think dominant is a little bit of a stretch now if um, if we still had Jaquan McMillan back there. And in the secondary, you probably could make the case that it could be the potential to be a pretty dominant unit because you have his presence back there that can, you know, obviously he was a difference maker back there. Um, but I don't think – I think he'll still be, have the potential to be a top five defense in the American, which is pretty doggone good. Yeah, with the experience they have, I mean, they should be really good. And then if you get some key guys, like I was talking about with Brett Hickman a few weeks ago on the podcast, like you almost need some star power to emerge, whether it's a safety, D-line, linebacker, to really take this defense to the next level. They're experienced, they're solid, they're going to make plays within their scheme, but if they want to be close to dominant, you're going to have to have some dudes emerge, and that's the, the big question for me as the season unfolds uh let's take a quick break on the hoisted colors podcast we'll be right back to finish answering your questions it's game week and uh just a few days away so we'll be right back talking ecu nc state another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back into the Hoist of Colors podcast. Sam Anderson is alongside. We are previewing East Carolina, NC State. We're, you know, this is almost an appetizer, Sam, for for our, our podcast later in the week where we're going to talk to uh, Corey Smith from Pack Pride where we really dive into NC State. We'll also have a predictions podcast late in the week. But right now we're answering your questions. It's game week, and we're, we're getting you in the mood. Uh, Dan, yes, I am a pirate on Twitter says, what's the projected attendance number for this game? Um, and, and I'll take this one to start with, Sam. You can weigh in just your thoughts on, on what you're hoping to see. But um, from what I gather, it's it seems like this is going to be a number in the high 40s, maybe 46 to 48,000. Uh, some of that is dependent upon student turnout, but there are still a number of tickets left in the upper deck that ECU is trying to sell. There could be a big walk-up. A uh, number of tickets that the Pirates uh, end up selling on game day or close to game day if the weather forecast continues to hold. I think right now it's set in the mid-80s. Hopefully it stays away from the 90s and hopefully it stays away from rain. 
but uh, I think they're they're banking on you know above forty five thousand. They've had great uh, numbers from you know NC State didn't sell out a allotment, but they did sell a large amount of it. Student turnout they feel is going to be very strong, and they've sold a, a large number of the lower bowl tickets. So now it's basically all upper deck tickets remaining, and uh, it's looking like forty six to forty eight thousand maybe. Maybe an outside shot at 50 if everything goes perfectly. If we get a late push to to game day, but Sam is still going to be the biggest crowd. It looks like since that 2016 game uh, against NC State, I believe, or maybe 17. They had a big crowd against Virginia Tech, but um, looks like it should be a great crowd either way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I um, I hope there's 51,000 people there, and there's people climbing on top of the Murphy Center trying to watch the game, but um, it but if it doesn't sell out, it's a you know it's a shame, but also it's a just a common trend among the all of college um, athletics. Attendance numbers are down just with the more options you can watch it at home. I think being the fact that this game is on ESPN at noon, everyone pretty much can get ESPN no matter where they are, their house, their sports bar, or whatnot, which could play into some people um, deciding well instead of trying to beat, they're trying to deal with the heat, fight the crowds. I can just go sit a at a sports bar and watch the game in the air condition, but I'm hoping everybody um, will be in Daddy Ficklin. And uh, I think the larger the crowd, the more hostile the environment is, which means, um, which could cause some issues for um, NC State, especially on their opening drive. When I know uh, Pirate Nation is going to be a uh, pretty pretty ready for some Pirate football, and they're going to be they're going to be loud. Yeah, the two games last year where there were great crowds, you know, Cincinnati at the end of the season. And also uh, South Carolina, and I think those crowds were only around forty thousand, if I remember correctly. But it was loud, man. It was like old times. And so, no matter what the number is for this game, it's going to feel like the the good old days, so to speak. You know, Terry Holland said it best when he was the ECU athletic director. He said TV is is going to be you know one of the best and worst things to happen in college football. The best side of it being easy access for everybody. The worst side of it. It's going to hurt attendance long term because it is so easy to sit at home and watch. You know, you think about it back in 2008 when ECU played UTEP, you know, outside of watching it on WITN or CSTV or whatever, like you could not watch the game. You had to be inside Dowdy Ficklin Stadium to see it. And so, like, it's just so easy now to turn on ESPN or ESPN Plus and watch these games that so many people have gotten out of the, 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 the routine of going to the games. And, that's why we mm-hmm. see the season ticket number being so low, Sam. And um, when you only sell 15,500 season tickets, you know, then you have to make up 35,000 tickets to sell it out. And that's not easy. So uh, if they get close to 50, I think it's a, a major step in the right direction. Hopefully with the program getting back to what it used to be, we continue to see that number of season tickets increase in years to come. All right, Sam, we got a question just for you. I am looking forward yeah. to – seeing because with South Carolina with even with Charleston Southern and the Cincinnati game with those not being super large crowds but I think it'll be interesting to hear what Dowdy Ficklin sounds like now that you have the tower and close to 50,000 people in there Um, because I think that's gonna really be a difference maker with that tower Um, and I'll be I'm looking forward to hearing it (laughs) Yeah, and how many uh, how many screw ups will the new video board or ribbon boards occur? 
I'm thinking at least four or five. It ha- I mean, it's the first they, game. What they should, yeah, they should be what completed with it sometime early this week, and then I'm sure they're going to be testing, testing, testing all week. But there's bound to have some hiccup and glitches on the new, first actual. Yeah, new sound system, new ribbon boards, new video boards, which I'm excited about. But it's like first game, packed house. Like, I just hope it goes smoothly, and I'm sure. That ECU is going to do everything in its power to like prepare and test, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just don't know, so you get the crowd in there. So hopefully it goes well, um, and we avoid issues or at least keep them to a minimal. All right, uh, Sam, this question is just for you, super fan Zach, who I had uh, stopped by and and was invited to have beers with, uh, along with yourself at the ECU regional, I believe, before either UVA or Coastal. Can't remember which game. Um, but he would like to pick your brain on who he'd like to see. On basically, he's he's asking you, Sam Anderson, who you'd like to see execute the pooch punt this season if it was not Luke Larson. Thanks. He will hang up and listen. I know Holton has done it in the past, um, but I'm going. I want to see an offensive lineman do it. Just pick a random offensive lineman and let them do a little pooch punt. See what see what happens. I think that would be a that would be interesting to see. Um, man, but hopefully we're not doing very many pooch punts. Hopefully we're uh, if not you, reaching many fourth downs. If you put the offensive lineman back there, just think about how much the defense would like freak out um, because they would be expecting the unexpected. They certainly would not expect a pooch punt. I like, mean, you could even have it a, you know, a, a, just a design run with the offensive lineman. I mean, you could do anything with the offensive lineman back there. Avery Jones is pretty athletic, man. Get the ball in his hands, see what happens. Noah Henderson, nobody wants to tackle that dude in the open field. I think Bailey Malovic, I mean, I think he could play tight end uh, if he, you know, slimmed down how he used to be. Maybe he can punt the football as well. Um, Sounds like something we could do against Campbell. Yeah, I'm intrigued, man. Let's uh, let's try it out, see what happens. Um, another question for you, Sam. This one from Malcolm Phelps. He says, "Will uh, he says ask Sam if he has anyone or any pets named after him." And what are his favorite Eastern North Carolina golf courses? So there's a rumor floating around that there's a beta fish in an apartment in Greenville that's named Sam Anderson Jr. Um, (laughs) I have yet to see this fish. I have seen it. I've seen pictures of it, but not in person. Um, So I can't confirm nor deny that there's an actual fish. Um, I need to see it in person because anyone could doctor a photo. Um, but in terms of golf courses, um, hmm, I I do like uh, Greenville Country Club. It's a solid course. Played there a few times. Um, and, and shot pretty well for, for my standards there. Um, but I, other than that, I haven't really found a bad golf course that I haven't liked yet. I'm sure I will run into one. But for the most part, it's I like them all. If you'd like to set up a sponsorship with our segment with Sam Anderson and you run a golf course, feel free to reach out to uh, Stephen Igo at Hoist the Colors. We will sponsor Sam's outing at your local golf course. Great opportunity for for all involved. I do know that you're every time I see you on Instagram, man, you're at some like you know swanky country club. Like you're you're all prim and proper now, man. The bank li- the bank life must treat you pretty well. It does. It does. It has its um. It has its perks, but the uh, I normally when I'm not at work, I'm normally 
either at the beach or I'm playing golf somewhere or at an ECU sporting event. So, yeah, well, that's, that's three pretty solid options. If you ask me, man, um, it is, I'll take that. Uh, all right. Another question for Sam. Like, I feel like all your best friends are in on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, is this Livy Livy Phillips? Yeah. yeah. It's uh Zach's sister, little sister. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, Livy wants to know, wondering Sam's excitement level for the stripe out, man, we didn't even talk about that. Uh, so this will be a good one. And if he will yeah. be participating, interested to see if Sam will dress to impress for <laughs> dress to impress for coach Ruff's return to Dowdy. Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. I, um, when I saw that the, uh, the, the stri- seating chart for the stripe out was released, unfortunately my section is a gold section, which I'm not too thrilled about. Um, luckily it's I have terrible. a nice, nice gold, gold polo that I can wear that won't, um, that will look, that's still gold, but it has a little purple in it. So I'm look, so I'll be wearing that. Um, I'm excited to see it, the stripe out to see how well it can be executed. Cause I think in 16, it was executed fairly well, um, outside of a lot of, a few red shirts in the crowd. Um, but I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's um, it's just not. I'm not a big fan of wearing a gold shirt. Um, so gold, too- yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but gold is like everybody's worst color. I feel like, like who likes wearing gold or yellow? Like who likes wearing a yellow shirt? And then you have the panic gold game against Campbell. So I'm like, you know, might as well. It should just gone all purple for the state game, and then, you know, maybe do the stripe out when it's not going to be so hot. Yeah, you know, the stripe out, was it you last time, Sam, that was like predicting the stripe out would be an ultimate failure uh, for 16? And I feel like it actually did. turned out to be better than expected. Yeah, I thought it was not going to go well because, you know, most people just maybe did not know it was a stripe out or just forgot him or purple. Um, but I think I have seen they've done a better push, uh, in, at least from what I've seen compared to 16, to actually let people know that, hey, it just stripe out. Don't wear purple if you're not supposed to. Um, but I'm sure there'll be a few people that wear purple in a gold in the gold section. Which, hey, I'm fine with it. Uh, there's definitely going to be people that show up to this game that have no idea what the hell people are talking about when they're like, "Hey, man, did you come dress for the stripe out?" Like, I can only imagine <laughs> their uh, their reaction. And I'm sure they're going to be all different color shirts. Probably be a green somewhere, a black somewhere. I'm sure some. Um, person will be wearing a Carolina blue shirt because aren't they playing apt at the same time? Oh yeah, you, um, you always get so. the like, uh, like um, the women's like off color East Carolina shirts, like pink East Carolina shirts. Like one of the students or so, some women will be re- wearing that, and maybe a man <laughs> will as wear uh, will as wear. I don't know, but um, yeah, so. I'm sure there'll be people with their with their you know their shirts off at the stadium oh, while the sure. game's going on because it's gonna be so hot. So I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a very interesting atmosphere to say the least, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, lots open early. I'll be there early. It's gonna be a good day. All right, got a couple questions left. Uh, somebody named Go Team at Banana Bread Guy has tweeted on, on Twitter at us. He says, "What is the uniform matchup?" Um, we don't have official uniforms yet. My guess. 
Sam, and this is just a guess, is that ECU will be in all purple and then NC State will be in all white. What about you? I um, definitely, um, I believe John Gilbert's mentioned at the, because he was asked the same question at the kickoff luncheon um, about the uniforms and how much kind of say does he have, you know, in it. Um, and he said for the first one, he's actually he was actually pretty involved with kind of picking the uniform since it is, you know, national TV. After Lee Corso does his headgear pick, everyone's freaking out over that. He goes straight into the, you know, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. And I think he said, if I remember correctly, we're going to do our traditional purple um, uniforms. I think it's all purple. Um, and I'm sure State will go all white, but I hope they go all red just to, we have, just to be fun. That would be a pretty badass look. It would be even more badass if ECU threw everybody for a loop and by traditional purple, they came out in the 1991 Peach Bowl purple uh, with the white pants. I think everybody would lose their minds. But um, Or white helmets. Yes, the white helmets too. I tell you what, white helmets with, all, with, with purple uh, jerseys and white pants is a good look, and I hope we see it this year. Um, very underrated look. All right, Gabe, he's got our last question. He says, do you think this game on September 3rd actually has an impact on recruiting? It seems as though a Power 5 brand will always have an edge on the recruiting trail. 12. God, what am I, three years old? Uh, recruiting trail, even if a G5 team is better in their state. Example, Fresno State and UCLA, go Pirates. So here's my thing. Like Generally, I understand what you're saying. It does have an impact on recruiting because – You'll have multiple commitments who are being recruited by other teams in the stadium that day. If they're on the fence and they come to Greenville, they see the atmosphere, they see how important it is to how important ECU is to Greenville, to the region. They experience that firsthand. That may be enough to keep them from committing to quote unquote a bigger school. Um, and you know, if you have future recruits, I remember when ECU beat North Carolina in the 2014 game. You had juniors who were visiting. Multiple of those juniors ended up committing the next year because of their impressions from that atmosphere, from that game. So I think it definitely has an impact on recruiting. I don't think it makes or breaks recruiting, but it does have an impact. Sam, your thoughts on just, you know, how big this game could be for ECU uh, in recruiting? I think it's going to be huge. I don't – I think it's, you know, one of the true um, kind of secret sauces there are that ECU has compared to – some of the other schools they recruit against is the atmosphere and getting kids on campus makes a huge difference versus um, like COVID did a big kind of number when kids couldn't come see the true atmosphere of a football game. And that even football games help baseball recruit. They help basketball recruit. They kind of help all of the sports kind of recruit because of that atmosphere. And, and it's, it's a special site. If you haven't experienced it before, I'm sure a lot of some of the kids will have um, September third. Have well, are probably going to go to state. They're probably going to go to Carolina. They're probably going to a lot of these other Power Five schools in the region. But I think the one thing that kind of helps set ECU apart from some of the other G five schools in the area is the atmosphere. I don't think you can find another. Um, I mean, at times people have described ECU's atmospheres. SEC like, um, especially when the football team's winning, and I think you'll have a pretty electric and I probably a very impressive 
um, atmosphere, even from a TV perspective. If you're watching it at home on TV, compared to even if you're in a, in Dowdy Ficklin, which I hope everybody's in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and not watching it on TV, but I think it helps that you're the first game at noon on September 3rd on ESPN for recruits that even maybe aren't on campus. Um, they can, the coaches can point to say, Hey, go watch that game. Just watch, look at the atmosphere, look at the crowd. This is kind of what to expect on a, you know, a week weekend basis in Greenville. All right, Sam, we've reached the conclusion of the program. And that means that you have to give a prediction on who is going to win because I have to do it later this week. And I have a few more days to think about it. Uh, you have to do it right now or else you're never allowed on the Hoisted Colors podcast again. So who is going to win on Saturday, September 3rd between East Carolina and NC State? Um, I'm going my gut. Norm- I would normally go with my gut, but on this, I'm going to think logically um, and pray that I'm wrong. Um, but I think NC State will pull out a s- slight victory. I think it's going to be a seven-point win a late touchdown by the Wolfpack to pull it out. And I don't know exact the score, um, but I think State will win on a late score, and they'll win by seven. Hard to uh, to go against that, considering the spread and NC State's talent. Uh, we'll see what happens Saturday. I do think this is going to be an absolute dogfight for four quarters, and I do think it will come down to the last possession or two. So, uh, Sam, we appreciate your time, man. It was good to have you back on the Hoist of Colors podcast. And uh, it's game week, man. It's here, and I can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, I'm, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm glad our schedules could finally uh, match up and we could have this thing happen. Um, hopefully, I'll, hopefully you'll have me back on throughout the, the season. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Saturday, and I will probably be a nervous wreck around work. Probably have a lot of nervous energy around Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, um, just because it's college football's back. It feels good, man. It feels good. Well, Sam, we'll uh, we'll get you on again soon, man. We won't make the people uh, beg for you next time. Um, but uh, that'll do it for the Hoist the Colors podcast. We'll be back with you guys in a couple days as we really start diving into the NC State back. Talk to you then.
set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.